High in the air, Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 235 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. Grant Brisby, I'm here with Andy Baggerly. And Andy, uh, 235 is the on-base percentage that Roberto Perez had with the Giants before he got hurt. I say this not to pick on Perez, who did what he was asked to do uh, for five games, but just to jump right into the Giants and how far they have come. It wasn't that long ago that we were thinking, well, what can uh, Perez offer at the catching position? And uh, what is this team? And now the Giants, uh, they're rolling. They are rolling. Yeah, isn't it wild to see them play the Padres in the homestand opener and see Gary Sanchez on the other side? And it's like, th- these <laughs> these are other visions of other paths that could have been taken. Yes. And, uh, um, and, and instead, you've got Patrick Bailey, which... I mean, you don't want to say after, you know, two dozen games, well, this guy's going to be the catcher here for a decade. But, I mean, everything you see is like, wow, he he gets it. The innings seem under control. The throws to bases are right on the money. Um, He seems like he's someone who can, like, improvise with the flow of a game or an inning. He doesn't even know these hitters yet, and he seems to have uh, an understanding of of how to break them down. I mean, it's – it's really impressive. It's it's been as impressive as as uh, any young catcher I've seen. So, oh, this is where we get into trouble now. This is where we get into trouble. <laughs> That's exactly. I mean, last night I, I I was at the game. It was a fun game. It was an exciting game. Lost to chew on, and on my drive home. I start thinking, wow, this is giving me 2021 vibes. And that's like the same thing. No, there is no other 2021. There will not be a 2021 before 2121. Like that was a unicorn of a season. You cannot compare anything to that. Maybe the Giants are better than expected, but come on, stop that. And then you start thinking, well, I don't know, man. They they got this going on. They got, and it's the same thing with Bailey. You, you start doing this where you, you're trying to attach. But I think you can... Just appreciate for right now, Patrick Bailey's good. The Giants are good. I, I think Bailey has kind of that under the radar Casey Schmidt thing going on where he his strikeout to walk ratio was off balance. There might be a correction. I don't think he's a 300 hitter in the majors just yet. But all the stuff you're talking about is game management, field generalship. Uh, it's good. And the Giants right now are looking like a good team, a very good team. You've got Tyro Estrada continuing. Uh, he's He's got back to where he was at the start of the season. Lamont Wade Jr. has never really stopped being a productive hitter. You've got Mike Stremski having a bounce back year. Jock Peterson's back. J.D. Davis hasn't given back the, the gains that he's made uh, from last season. It just seems like a, a team that is uh, on the rise. So it's impressive. Yeah, and calling Lamont Way Jr., you know, a productive hitter, I think is like, it's, he's been more than that. He's been Juan Soto. He is Juan Soto, basically. (laughs) I mean, Lamont Way Jr. has a 415 on base percentage. That would be the highest in the majors if Luis Arias wasn't hitting 400. Like, literally, he is hitting 400 (laughs) right now. I look in the box score and he went five for five and I thought, wait, 
this is deja vu. Didn't he do that the other day? Yes, he did. He did. He went five for five the other day, and he went five for five last night. And he's got a 450 on base because he has 102 hits, and he's a crazy human being. But if he didn't <laughs> exist, then Lamont Wade Jr. would be leading the major leagues in on base percentage. And when you go through and you stack up his numbers against Juan Soto, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, the Giants traded for Juan Soto. They just call their version Lamont Wade Jr. I mean, and that's just one of the, you know, one of the factors, and you got into a lot of them in your piece breaking down the statistics, but a lot of the things that the Giants were saying are going to even out and don't freak out about it. I mean, they were right. I mean, the home run rate has stabilized for their pitchers. It's been an organizational strength for a number of years, and it has become one again after it wasn't one in April. And I think a lot of that was giving Ross Stripling a giant vaudeville hook and having him take a timeout to try to reinvent himself and maybe realizing that if they shield Sean Manaya and use him a little more strategically, they can get more out of him. Uh, but you know, other than that, it's, it's been, you go down the list, you look at the Rogers brothers, you look at Camila Doval might be the best closer in the national league. And, um, along with Alexis, uh, uh, um, Diaz. And it's just like, wow, there's a lot going right here. And, and now you add in Bailey and Luis Matos, who is as exciting a young outfield prospect as the giants have debuted in a long, long time. And it's not just, they give you 2021 vibes. There's also guys that they're going to sell their jerseys. We didn't have that in 2021. And, uh, you know, people weren't running out to, to buy um, Giants jerseys unless they were more Posey or Crawford jerseys. So, you know, you look at Matos, you look at Bailey, you look at guys who are going to be here for a long time um, in theory. And, I mean, that's the part that I think should really excite Giants fans. Yeah, I mean, you bring up Luis Sarayas, and to me, he's the Luis Matos of the infield. I mean, uh, I the pause for comedic effect. but he hasn't hit 400 quite yet quite yet but honestly you're right and when i was at the the park uh on monday night it you could feel it you could you know it's obviously coming in off of a sweep of the cardinals and the dodgers on the road you're going to have a little bit more juice in the crowd because good things are happening to the giants they're on a winning streak they they've played some really exciting baseball but I do think that there is that. It was Lee Smatos' first game. It was Patrick Bailey's in there. And you start to feel a little bit of that, hey, this is the present and the future. This is the cake. This is the eating it too. Uh, and it's – I could feel it because the last time I was at the ballpark, I don't know if anyone knows this, but because of logistical and, and personal reasons, I haven't been out to the ballpark a lot this year. Last time I was out there, it was it was dead. It was quiet. And when the Giants got down, it was – okay. It's just, it felt a, a little bit like a 2008 kind of vibe where just once the Giants were down by a run, it's, well, we can't possibly get uh, a two runs. Uh, and it's it's not like that anymore. It's a, it's a good time out. I mean, I don't want to shill for the Giants, but – uh, energy seems like it's a little bit back. Yeah, and you know, it, it was a holiday. It was a Monday holiday. We keep forgetting about uh, uh, Juneteenth being a federal holiday now. So it'll be interesting to see what it's like out there as we're recording this um, Tuesday morning uh, to see what the Tuesday crowd will be. Because that, that's, I think, where the Giants have been the most challenged is um, not having all of the you know tech workers and, and financial district workers who just walk down the Embarcadero for those you know uh, weekday night games and. Uh, made me even wonder if they're going to have to, you know, push back the game times back to seven fifteen again. If if you're going to have fans coming from more outlying areas and and um, they need more time to get to the ballpark on a weeknight, and and if you get there twenty minutes late, it might be the third inning already because of the pitch clock. So I, I wondered if maybe they would think about pushing those game times back. But I'll tell you what, if if they get a crowd of you know thirty thousand plus tonight, um, then I think that's going to be a pretty good sign that that they really are 
getting the the attention of the marketplace. And you know, they've got a team right now that 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 warrants that. And you know, and all the people we've mentioned uh, probably probably haven't mentioned the guy who's made the biggest impact in terms of leverage. Uh, on this team, that's Mike Yastrzemski. I mean, not just the down to your last strike homer in St. Louis, but the game he had uh, Monday against the Padres, obviously uh, with a walk off and a splash walk off to boot, and you know making great catches, uh, taking control of the w- wacky play at Dodger Stadium where the Giants almost literally threw the game away, and he's the guy who ran the ball back to the infield and calmed everything down. Um, you know, making really good base running decisions. I mean, you know, talking to this guy uh, before Father's Day and he was sharing about his family and uh, what it was like, you know, to be the grandson of a Hall of Famer and the ways that, that it, it, his dad was challenged by that legacy. And, um, you know, this this guy's just real. He's just <laughs> he's very grounded. He's very smart. And um, I, I just think if, if I'm, you know, a coach of a, of a little league team, I, I would just say just watch Mikey Stremski. I mean, he's he's just he does a lot of things to help this team be good, even if he hasn't quite recaptured, um, you know, the kind of production that he put up in the 2020 season or, or the end of 2019. Uh, but he's he's right there in the MVP discussions for this team, even though maybe the overall numbers might not, I think, uh, um, warrant that. Yeah, we were talking uh, on the roundtable about Luis Arias and how there's a special kind of thrill that comes with uh, a player who gets hit, who hits for high average. It's happy, fun time moments uh, all the time when you're expecting it. Um, it it's been uh, really fun to watch him, and I think Mike Yastrzemski offers something that's much different but similar in that he does everything well right he controls the strike zone well he hits for power he it can run the bases well he's a good fielder he's got a strong arm and is he a perfect player now i mean he's still hitting 257 he's he's never going to be a high average player but everything that he's trying on a baseball field is helping the giants toward their ultimate goal and it's fun to watch those players, especially when they're rolling, especially when they're doing uh, good things. Those are the just they're easy to appreciate, I guess, is what I'm getting at. And Mike Yastrzemski is a very easy player to appreciate, especially when he's going well. Yeah. And especially on a winning team. I think when you, you put a player like that on, you know, a team that just doesn't have enough good players, um, maybe it's hard for those things to really make an impact in a game uh, because there's too many things that are going wrong. But you put a player like that on a winning team, and I think that it almost amplifies uh, the value that they bring. So um, tell you what, you know, if 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 you uh, if you're running in that team store to buy a Luis Matos twenty nine jersey, um, I, I don't know. I would think a Mike Yastrzemski number five jersey might be pretty nice to wear too. Yeah, I mean, this is going way back, but I remember in 1982, uh, I was going to a part, uh, game of Candlestick, and the giveaway was a bat. And I'm not talking a little baby bat. I'm talking a full-size wooden bat sponsored by Atari. It was a 25th anniversary bat. It was cool as heck. And my brother got a Jack Clark, and I got a Chili Davis. And I remember looking at his Jack Clark and going, man, like I wish I had the Jack Clark. But in retrospect... Chili Davis was way cooler. He was just the guy that did everything and and was this five-tool guy and was underappreciated for a lot of different factors. So I, I'm all in. I don't know where I was going with that story, but I wanted to mention my full-size Atari bat with Chili Davis. Still got it. <laughs> well, maybe you were going to uh, the Giants uh, drafting and developing and debuting <laughs> outfielders because... Have I mentioned it, that? It's, it's, kind, it's kind of been a thing. 
Um, <laughs> you know, and there have been a lot of, you know, really good prospects that that people had high hopes for. I, I don't want to single anybody out, but I mean, the first one that comes to my mind is Todd Linden. He was supposed to, I mean, you look at his AAA numbers and, you know, of course you're going to get excited about a guy who's hitting 30 plus homers at, at AAA, but um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, and Luis Matos is only a handful of games into his career, but, you know, we know what the drought has been in terms of the Giants drafting and, and developing outfielders when they used to just churn them out on an assembly line so much so they couldn't keep any of them. Uh, they had too many. And, you know, they became Gary Matthews's somewhere else. They became Bill Madlock's somewhere else. And, um, and now it, it looks like we're referencing Chili Davis for all the right reasons. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, any normie can can talk about Todd Linden. That's like the the U two level. But <laughs> us indie kids, we go Eddie Martinez Esteva. Like that oh, is. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you got to go EME. That's that's man. He was going to be the one. He was going to be the one. But honestly, like, so you have the the twenty twenty one season, this all time outlier of a season, and so. One of the things I'm most proud of writing for The Athletic was my best case scenario before that season, where you look at what the Giants did well in 2020, and you just had this idea like, you know what? They tend to make players better. They they take Kevin Gossman and they weaponize him. They take Mike Yastrzemski and they form him, in, they help him develop into the player that he became. What if they just keep doing that? And then in 2021, boy, they kept doing that. And it stopped. And it stopped in 2022. And it stopped with uh, the uh, fringe players. It stopped uh, with the players like Mike Yastrzemski, who were turned into something better. It stopped with the veteran players, whether it's Brandon Crawford or Brandon Belch. Uh, that kind of ran out, too. And then you're wondering, OK, so now you've got 2023. You've got two pieces of data uh, to examine. And you have one that says the Giants just can keep making players better and use them to their full potential. And then one year where that is just not the case, what are you going to see? And to me, for this team, what gives me the most confidence is that in the offseason, they surveyed a vast landscape of possibilities. And they said, you know what? Mm -mm. Lamont Wade Jr., that's our best option at first base. That's going to play. That's going to play and that's going to help us win. And they did the same thing with second base. Just they could have gone in any different direction with sliding doors all over the place. And they said, no. Tyro Estrada, it's his time. We think he's going to be an asset. We're not buying the defensive weirdness uh, in the, the the nerd stats. No, we think it's his time. And as of right now, uh, they're right. And right to a spectacular degree. And it's that's what's also giving me that 2021 uh, kind of vibe is 
they, they're back to being the smartest guys in the room, which is what it looked like in 2021. I don't think it's going to be 107 wins like that. But the fact that they were able to nail those two decisions when there was so much available, so many options, so many different directions they could have gone in, they nailed those. And if that doesn't fill you with confidence, I think you're looking for a reason not to be filled with confidence. Yeah. And there are people that are definitely looking for that. They don't, they're, they do not want to admit that they were wrong or that maybe they are, their opinions, uh, could be kind of recalibrated. And that's the world we live in. But I will say, if you are listening to this podcast and you happen to be a writer for badtakesexposed.com, which I think is a thing. Um, yeah, please do not Google. Uh, the words Baggerly, spelled B-A-G-G-A-R-L-Y, and Giants, and Regret and Trevor Story, because I do not want to provide you content for your site. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. I got to dig back into that sucker because, yeah, I mean, but listen, I was guilty of it, too. It's it's how it works in the offseason. You get shiny uh, free agents and you get these big eyes and you take the you copy their stats from the baseball reference page and you paste them on to what you think next year's team's going to be. And you think, yeah, that guy, that guy's the missing link. I mean, uh, you want to Google mine. I was two years ago, I think uh, I said, you know, who's the perfect free agent? My number one free agent uh, on the wish list, Jackie Bradley Jr. Just fits perfectly. Mm. I think the Giants mm-hmm. will nail that. It, man, he, his career has gone in a much, much different direction. So we all have those bad takes. Um, I think the only way to get around that is just have a little humility and make fun of yourself a little bit. And don't dig in, man. Baseball's a weird game. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's uh, even the smartest people who devote massive amount of resources, so much resources that the league is now going to actively try to curtail how much resources teams can throw at being smart. Uh, which is, you know, like, oh, let's try to make our product, but no, let's let's not do that. Um, anyway, that's a whole other discussion. But I mean, a lot of time, energy, and brain cells are put into trying to predict which players are going to, um, you know, be good investments. And you know, we still get it wrong because they're human beings, and they get hurt, or they get better, or they change, or uh, something unpredictable happens with their, um, you know, what puts them in a position to perform. And I will say, I will say, to make myself feel a little better now that I've been humble and I retract my Trevor Story love, um, I did think all along that if there was one pitcher the Giants should sign uh, to that contract they have not signed a pitcher to, it was Kevin Gossman. And Kevin Gossman is still good, and he's also still a very good human being. So um, there we go. See, I was right. Yeah, yeah. Now that one does does kind of stick in my craw. Um, I, I thought that that was just a really good fit for a long term deal, but again, we're just sitting here quibbling. Uh, who who cares if he would be a co ace with Logan Webb and also be a good guy in the clubhouse? Uh, you know, those guys come around uh, fairly often, right? Well, I mean, you know, it's. Uh, I think starting pitching is probably going to be where where the Giants will focus their efforts um, at the trade deadline. Is that? Uh, would you agree with that? It's a weird deadline for the Giants, specifically because they don't have that one spot on the the active roster where you're thinking, okay, that guy, that guy got to go. That guy got to go. You know, we got they got to figure out a way uh, to improve that. As if right now you've got guys going on. Uh, you know, on the disabled or the injured list every so often uh, that will change up the calculus. But how do you fit 
another starting pitcher onto this roster when healthy. When you're talking, you've got Webb, Disclafani, uh, you have Alex Cobb when he's healthy, and then you have this uh, variety, this hodgepodge of guys, Alex Wood, Manaya, um, maybe Stripling comes back, Keaton Wynn uh, has been pretty outstanding, Tristan Beck when he's been up, he's been a valuable pitcher. I think they're okay as is, but do you try and get that one extra guy to take the burden off of Webb? Maybe you do. Uh, I don't know how that <clears throat> how that fits on the roster, but maybe that is the play because there definitely isn't a lot of room on the position player side. Yeah, I, I think that would be um, that would be the play is 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 to get another starting pitcher because you do have Win and, and Beck and those guys have options and Jelly obviously is up now and he's still got options. Um, and I think that they're just going to cycle through people on the injured list and, and freshen them up. You know, they did not push Alex Cobb when he um, told them, hey, look, I'm good to go. I can take the ball. I can pitch. Um, you know, they're giving him a timeout. There may be a time when um, they feel like they need to give Logan Webb a, a little bit of a timeout. And and he's got something that's a little touch and go. And they decide, you know what, let's just go ahead and cool your heels for two weeks here and, and we'll uh, – pick up the slack. I don't think now is the time to do that because they're obviously missing other pieces. Um, maybe you know, Anthony Scalfani needs a little bit of time to sort out uh, uh, some of his, you know, he's got this new curveball and, and maybe that's bleeding into some of his other off-speed pitches and why he's been a bit wild lately. And and maybe he'll, he'll need a little time to figure it out. And then by the time, you know, when he's out, maybe Ross Stripling will be back and he will have figured some stuff out. Um, so I, I think you can always create um, some space for, you know, a Marcus Stroman or, or, uh, somebody of that ilk. Um, you got to still go out and get them and give up quality players to get that player. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that they'll go out and probably look for another starting pitcher, um, especially when, you know, you start thinking about the postseason and, and, you know, how they might line up their pitching. And I mean, wow, talk about unpredictable. I mean, you can't predict how they're going to line up their pitching for a series in June against the Padres. So they could really go, you know, next level three-dimensional chess in a um, postseason series. And But you're right, though. When you look at the team value page on Baseball Reference for pitching, you've got, oh, I don't know how many names are here, about 20. And uh, if you're looking at positive war contributions, it's pretty much everyone. Uh, and even Brandon Crawford and Brett Wisely are on this list. Oh, look at that. And they don't have a negative contribution. Um, Matt Beatty, minus one. Sorry, Matt Beatty. You're not allowed to pitch again. Um, Cole Waits has been a little wild. He's minus two, point two. And then you've got Stripling, Sean Jelly, and Sean Manaya is actually a minus one. And he's pitched a lot better, I think, uh, lately. So, um, so yeah, you know, it, it's it's you don't have anybody who's really – um, kind of holding back or, or being a drag on the whole operation. You know, it's uh, everyone's kind of contributing something positive and, and um, you know, that, that and trending in, in a positive direction in a lot of cases. So, um, yeah, I, I think we're back to the run suppressing, home run suppressing, strike throwing kind of um, pitching staff that, that we expected to see this season, even if some of the names are, have changed a bit. The bullpen composition right now is wild with Alex Cobb uh, on the IL because you have in one bullpen, technically, you have Jacob Junis, Sean Jelly, Tristan Beck, Keaton Wynn, and Sean Manaya. Uh, and I guess Alex Wood, if you're going to put him in that bucket, probably not. He's going to be more of a starting pitcher traditionally. Um, but that you've got five innings, guys. In that bullpen, and the the Padres right now, they can be sure that they're not going to see Keaton win tonight. 
Um, but they're probably not going to see Jacob Junis. But it's got to be just, well, who are we seeing? Is it going to be, you know, Manaya today or tomorrow? Is it going to be Win? Like, you know, they get they got to go through and, and figure all this stuff out. I've never seen a bullpen like this where they can just take innings away from the starters with also providing this buffer for the the high leverage relievers and not overwork them other than Duvall a little bit. But it's it's an interesting, just I'm fascinated by the composition of this pitching staff. Yeah, it's almost like the Giants are saying, you know what, what why since time eternal has this been a binary thing between starters and relievers? We are going to be a non-binary pitching staff. So um, yeah, I don't know where I'm going it's with this, but... It's, it's 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 just it's just a, a a better smarter way to think about things. It's a floor wax and it's a dessert topping, right? Like that old Saturday Night Live skit. Remember that? And it feels yes. like that they're planning on this for the future because if you look at the innings that they're giving their minor league prospects, whether it's Kyle Harrison or you know anyone else that you want to be thinking about in the near future, they're throwing four innings, five innings. Carson Wisenhunt, Mason Black. I mean, they're not getting stretched out. It might be that they want to build the whole airplane out of the the black box. You know what I mean? Get just instead of a five-man rotation, instead of the opener, instead of all this stuff, what about a nine-man rotation that's not really a rotation? Like, what what if that works? What if you have the arms to do that? I think that they're trying it. I think we're seeing something that's somewhere between uh, heavy reliance on a bullpen and a rotation. It's like a rotation pen or a bulletation or something. Like, it's this weird amorphous thing now. Yeah, you've written a lot of really good pieces lately, especially since the last podcast. And um, I was just, I thought that was really a fascinating piece that you wrote looking into bullpen usage because it looks unsustainable. It looks like the Giants are wearing out their bullpen. But when you break down individual usage patterns, everyone's been, you know, used in a very sustainable way. I don't know if you want to um, lend a few thoughts to that, but I mean, you know, we think about starter innings and reliever innings when a lot of these reliever innings are starter innings. They're just not starting the game. So, um, I mean, obviously, I think you still need to have a big linchpin in there. And, and Gabe Kapler did just shout out, you know, Logan Webb for basically yeah. being at 98 innings right now. Um, you need to have somebody who can, you know, be the guy who goes reliably seven deep and can allow you to kind of hit the reset button for everybody else so that you're not chasing innings, you're not sending people out there when maybe they're suboptimal or, or, or not uh, well-rested. So that's that's important. And if you can even have two of those guys, even better. But um, but yeah, I don't know if, if there's anything else you wanted to mention from that piece or, or, or that you found particularly interesting. No, I, I think that the the general point is that when you're looking back at, at 2021 and you're seeing the the heavy reliance on the bullpen and how it might have caught up to them by the end of the season, uh, that is how we traditionally look at uh, it's the, the new game. You're going to have starters not go a, a second or, thir- or a third or fourth time through the order, um, and it's going to put a lot of extra pressure on the bullpen. And that just seemed to be the direction that the game was going in. And I think it caught up to the Giants by the time they met the Dodgers uh, in the NLDS. Whereas now, if you're looking at it's a similar paradigm where you've got one starter that you can really trust to go six, seven innings every time out, a couple of guys who you're hoping can go six, seven innings more often than not, and then some guys who you really want to protect from the the hitters a third time through the order. 
And so that's going to create some stress in the bullpen unless you figure something out. And I think the Giants have, because when you're talking about Jacob Junis, yeah, he's thrown 41 innings, but he's getting the proper rest. That's as many innings as Alex Wood has thrown and Ross Stripling. And, you know, it's he's being treated a little bit like a starting pitcher. Tristan Beck is another great example. He's thrown 35 innings, but at no point are you thinking, oh my God. Gosh, it's Tristan Beck again, that poor guy, like Jim Brower's watching this and going, what are they doing to him? You know, it's, it's, it's not like that. He's getting the proper rest. And when you have this cycle of Manaya and then Junis and Beck, and they all seem to be contributing something to the run prevention side, it makes it so much easier for Tyler Rogers, for Taylor Rogers, for uh, Brebby and Alexander when they're healthy, for Luke Jackson. They're not getting run out there like in the past like you've seen these Giants teams where it's like oh my gosh I guess we got to go to John Johnstone again oh no you know we I don't want to throw Doug Henry out there for a 13th game in a row but here here he is it's not like that anymore and I think it's just very sustainable the only caveat to that is that they're still going to ride Camilo Duvall pretty hard because that's just the nature of high leverage situations and having a unicorn pitcher like that yeah, agreed. And it'll be interesting to see if they do sort of, you know, slight slot Taylor Rogers back into more of a, okay, we're only going to use you in like a setup leverage type role. Cause right now he's been used as a flex piece as well. But, you know, I just look back to um, the 15 nothing win at Dodger Stadium. And we haven't spent a lot of the podcast talking about all of the um, back and forth of uh, the first three game sweep at Dodger Stadium in a decade, including a 15 to nothing victory. I, I'm sure that uh, there are folks listening that are like, no, please talk about that. Make the entire podcast out of that black box. <laughs> right, um, right. Uh, because it was just, you know, very cathartic, I think, in a lot of ways. But one thing that I think you look at in that game, Tristan Beck threw the last four innings and he cruised. Uh, you know, he, he was able to throw those four innings because he didn't run into a lot of trouble. He certainly didn't do anything to help the Dodgers get back in that game. But you did not use any relievers for the rest of that game in what is essentially a let's just get this thing to the finish line. And that happens in up games and down games. And, you know, I, the Giants just seem to find a lot of different ways to not, you know, needlessly waste, um, you know, uh, appearances and make people go out there just because we got to see this game to the end. Um, and you know, whether it's a starter who can go out there and, and soak up, you know, that chunk of innings or a Keaton win, uh, who, who saw through the final four innings to get the first save in his major league debut by any pitcher in giants history, at least since the save is an official statistic in 1969, it's just, it just sort of shields everybody else. And now everybody else is fresh and, and you don't have to go to them for a third straight day or, or, a fourth time in, in five days or, or what have you. So I think that's just been a big key to, to all of the things that you've been um, uh, bringing up and, and mentioning. Yeah, and it's it feels like this is the kind of thing you can look at in the offseason and see how it can work, right? If you have a, a pitching staff where it's a 13-man staff and eight of these guys can give you bulk innings, wow, if this could work, uh, this could be magical. And then you get to the season and then baseball happens, right? There's going to be, oh, well, this guy kind of stinks and, oh, boy, this guy's hurt. And, uh, okay, okay, we're scrambling again. Rotation, back to the five-man rotation or four-man rotation in a bullpen game. So I think it's... It might be a little too glib to assume that this can happen uh, 
every year, but this year, you sure looks like Tristan Beck is a viable guy to give you those innings. Jacob Junis, he's had his ups and downs, but he can be a guy that can give you those innings. Sean Manaya pitching better. Uh, you have uh, Keaton Winup, and he was fantastic on Monday night. Uh, his splitter, he threw his splitter, I think, 60% of the time. It, it looks sustainable right now. I don't want to get glib and say, oh, it's just going to keep happening, but this is it's like it's like a dream scenario for the Giants having all these guys who can give them length, protect the 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 sprinters, and at the end of the bullpen, and it's 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 working out right now. Now, real quick, uh, just off the top of your head, don't think and don't go back on your mental calendar. When's the last time the Giants allowed more than five runs? Uh, today's June twentieth, so give me a date. Um. Oh uh, boy. Um. Gosh. Uh. I, was it one of the course Field games? It was uh, J- June 4th uh, with the Orioles. So we're talking a full two plus weeks of they've allowed five runs a couple of times. Uh, and it's been, you know, a steady stream of three runs, three runs. You know, they had one shutout, uh, but they just they're not having those big meltdown innings. And that's contributing to the winning streak. And since that date, they have had one, two, three, four games of 10 runs or more. So that's kind of the point of baseball is to prevent runs and then score a whole mess of them. And uh, it's kind of telling you where the Giants are at right now. Yeah. And you know what? I was talking to someone in the Giants front office about, um, you know, some of the young players that have come up and how exciting that is, how much the fans have waited for that. And, you know, I think I mentioned like, you know, finding a Mikey Stremski or a Wade, you know, that that's uh, obviously uh, contributing, but, um, there's something about having a player that you've drafted and, and developed. And, um, you know, fans have had some time to sort of dream on some of the names, you know, since draft day. And, and I got a little pushback actually. And they were like, you know what? It, it really doesn't matter to us whether it's talent that you've drafted or developed or, or talent that you've acquired. I mean, look at the Tampa Bay Rays and how many of the guys that have contributed are guys that they've, you know, picked up elsewhere, you know, whether it's the big moves like Randy Rosarena or some of the smaller guys. Um, and, and that was kind of the point. And that's what I look at a Tristan Beck and a Keaton win. And it's like, you've got guys who have good stuff, who throw strikes, who have options because they're young players. Um, and one of them was drafted, developed. You had to hang on through a Tommy John rehab, through a pandemic. Uh, but here he is in the big leagues now. In fact, they drafted him twice. That's Keaton Wynn. And then you have another guy who was acquired from Mark Melanson, which I still think is funny. I giggle every time I think about that. Um, same thing. Doesn't matter. You know, they didn't draft uh, Tristan Beck, but, uh, you know, they saw something they liked there and they saw a player that would be available and, um, they said, we'll give you Mark Melanson. You give us this really good young pitcher. And by the way, you're also going to pay the rest of his salary. And the Braves said, okay. And so that's how that came to be, which I find endlessly amusing. Still think the Giants would have made the postseason in 2020 with Mark Melanson, but that's a, that's a hot take. See, my dog's barking at me in the background because that's such a bad take. Anyways, <laughs> all right, we're over we're over time. So this is, uh, what did we say, episode 235 of the Bags and Brisbee podcast. We will be back next week uh, to talk about the Giants' 14-game winning streak. Uh, I'll have some thoughts, uh, and we will see you then. International edition. I'll be in Toronto, so we'll talk to you then. Ooh, la, la. they've got pictures of a queen on their money. <laughs> I will see you then.